Hello, my warrior friends. How are you all doing? Welcome to this podcast. My name is Jessica Flint. I'm the founder and CEO of Recovery Warriors. Today, I have a special show for you. If you missed the news, the Recovery Warrior show has morphed into a whole collection of shows produced by Recovery Warriors. So the way I like to think about it is we're like one of those really cool mythological dragons who got its head cut off and then grew four more heads and got even more powerful and awesome. We're like a friendly dragon. Like if Puff the magic dragon could get his head cut off and get four more heads and be Puff the powerful magic dragon. You guys remember that? Who lived by the sea in the land of autumn mist in the land called Honolulu? I don't I don't even know the lyrics. If you're new here and you're like, what is this girl talking about <laughs> with dragons and Puff the magic dragon getting his head chopped off? What essentially happened is I ended the Recovery Warrior Show. This is a podcast that I ran for years. It was a staple in so many people's recovery and reached millions throughout its time span. And I ended it at the very end of 2021. And I just knew, like, you know that there's like these knowing, like an intuition. There was a strong knowing in my heart that I needed to change. I needed to walk away from this show. And I did that. And I took some time and space to kind of figure out what my next step was. And I created a show called Follow Your Bliss, which is part of our network of shows. It's one of our dragon's heads, essentially. And Follow Your Bliss is really for people who are interested in walking a spiritual path and having greater meaning and purpose and soul alignment in their life. So that's kind of what Follow Your Bliss is all about. You you may be wondering, like, why chop off your show's head that's doing well? (laughs) And why grow for more shows? And I think that's a very good question to ask. I've asked that myself, right? We have to ask good questions in life because we get good answers. And the answer is really embedded in one of my favorite quotes. And it's from Nietzsche. And he said, quote, the snake who cannot shed its skin shall perish, end quote. The snake who cannot shed its skin shall perish. Letting go of the old is an essential step in order to get to the new. And when we don't allow for this, then what ends up happening is our creativity, our spirit, our potential, they all get strangled. They they get suffocated like a a snake who's in too small of skin for itself. And I see this happen all the time with eating disorders. There's There's such a strong tension in shedding one's identity, routines, coping mechanisms, and beliefs about oneself. That there's this internal dilemma of, I want to give it up, but I don't want to let go. I want to step into the new, but I don't want to let go of the old. But these parts of our identity must die in order to give birth to new ways of being. Otherwise, we're in just this, we're in stasis or stagnation. You know, but this process isn't always easy. It's not straightforward, but it's encoded into the creative process, into nature with its seasons. It's encoded into us as human beings. We are all creators. We all are creating our life moment by moment by moment. Now, I'm a storyteller, I'm a scientist, and I'm also a soul seeker at heart. And it fills up my creative cup like no other to curate a unique lineup of shows that speak to all facets of the recovery journey. And having run Recovery Warriors for well over a decade, I can tell you that people need different support at different stages of the recovery and evolution. And that is what we're bringing to you. Shows for all stages of recovery that will bring you inspiration and motivation to heal your relationship to food, body, love, 
and do the deeper soul work it takes to fully recover from an eating disorder and other addictions. Now, we've been working on a show called Recover Strong, and this show is dedicated to wisdom and mastery of eating disorder recovery. On this show, you'll hear from top experts, authors, advocates, and everyday warriors what skills, tools, and mindset shifts go into creating a full, long-lasting recovery. It is designed to be inspirational and educational, and most importantly, to give you the motivation you need to keep moving forward in your recovery. Now, before we debut our new show, Recover Strong, I wanted to share this exclusive training on building a strong recovery mindset. This is a training that I did in the past, and it covers three common mistakes that sabotage people in recovery. Now, this training was very well received because of the way it just cuts right to the truth. Now, be warned that I do not sugarcoat some of these nastier thorns that need to be recognized and compassionately removed. So this this training really gets to the heart of it fast. We'll start off by jumping into a journal entry I wrote in August 2006. At the time, my recovery had these just really fragile roots, and they needed to be protected and tended to with compassion and curiosity so they could start to grow stronger and stronger and support my new life. I hope you enjoy, and I'll see you on the other side. pain. I can't go on living like this. It affects my life in so many ways. I just want to be normal. I hate myself for what I have done. I hate myself for who I have become. But I can't hate myself because that is not the way to achieve happiness. Right now, I just need time. Time to adjust, time to grow, and time to develop compassion and acceptance for who I am. I'm so out of balance, not allowing myself to be in the moment. The moment scares me. I look to the future in hopes of being thinner, and I look to the past when I was thinner. This never gives me a sense of being grounded or secure with myself in the present, which fuels my chaotic energy. When it comes down to it, I'm a human being, and I require attention nourishment, and love. Most importantly, that love must come from within. Jessica Flint, August 2006. I look back at this idea around where I was at and where I am today, and I had no clue what I was doing in the beginning when I was in recovery. No clue. It started with therapy, you know, going to a nutritionist, then it evolved much more into the self-help world. And, and that evolved to then becoming my own way of living where I was now in recovery. And it wasn't until five years, five years since I fully committed to that path back in 2006, that I started to grow into this next chapter of my life with Recovery Warriors. And that's when I started the Rise Up and Recover app. So it took five years to get to a point where I was like very solid and secure and stable in my recovery and was able to start to do things that were exciting to me. Now, at the time when I did the app, I was an oceanographer. I was sailing around the world on ships collecting oceanographic data. I had no clue that I was going to be inspiring millions of people 
All I knew though, when I got that call, and I call it a call, is when you get the motivator to change or to do something. So when I first got the call to recover, all I know is that I wanted it. I really wanted it. I was sick and tired of living with an eating disorder. I was over the lies. I was over the heartbreak to myself. I was over letting myself down constantly, the frustration, the lack of integrity, the way I was living my life. I was over it, sick and tired of being sick and tired. And then I made that decision that I was going to recover. And like I said, it took five years to really feel where my roots were established. And I was really getting what recovery was about and living it day to day and feeling comfortable in my body. And yeah, that it took five years. Now, my company, starting that same thing, I got a call. I was literally in the middle of the ocean on my way to Hawaii. And I was like, Boing, like you need to create an app to help people self-monitor their, their recovery. And I was like, yeah, I, uh, no, I don't. That's weird. <laughs> Keep on doing my thing. And the call came again. And it was like, you have to do this. And I, I followed it because I thought, well, you know, that would be cool to design an app. This was back in 2010. And, I, you know, I never thought like, hey, it's almost like someone saying, hey, I want to write a book. Like, wouldn't that be cool if I could write a book? And so I just jumped in. I said, oh, what the hell with it? I'll figure it out as I go. And that was what I had to do because I knew actually from recovery, the same mindset needed to be applied. I'm just going to do it and figure it out as I go. I know that the steps will be laid out before me when they need to arrive. It's kind of this idea around synchronicity. When things are meant to be part of your path, they will show up. Now, the eating disorder mind loves to know the next 30, 40 steps. I had no idea back then. So that was my personal will trying to define my future when I let this thing like I like to call divine will, the universe's will, the creative power that helps us through life had a different plan for me. And it often does have a different plan for many of us, especially when you're living with eating disorder. I think there is no divine will or creative energy that wants you to stay contained in the eating disorder for the entirety of your life. There's a reason you contracted the eating disorder. And that is to learn about healing and to learn about going within yourself and truly understanding who you are and what you're made of, right? It's about stripping away certain layers that we've created defense mechanisms or ways that we want to fit in or, or be in order to not ruffle any feathers. And part of recovery and the process of becoming more of who you are is about letting who you are fully be seen and heard. And trusting of the process, you know, trusting that what's going to happen in your life is going to, to be for your highest good, right? Trusting this process of recovery, trusting your treatment team. It's so important to be able to surrender what's going to happen the next step. You know, surrendering that to a higher power is, is profound because you're able to let go. This was beyond me in the beginning. Uh, I think a lot of times in recovery, there's certain information that can, you know, get shared with you and you're doesn't really quite stick. I think for me, it didn't stick in the beginning. And then, well, over 15 years later, it's, it's so stuck. It's unrefutable in my mind. And another important thing about what I just shared there, that piece is some of you may be like, yeah, 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 I totally, I, that's, I feel the same. And others be like, ooh, she just said divine. Like, I don't feel like that's me. Uh, take things that you hear in, in what works for you and leave the rest. But what I'm really, really going to emphasize is how important it is to assess your reaction to things that you hear someone say. If at any point you 
have a reaction to something positive or negative, but where you are like, okay, here's neutral. And I just had a reaction or I just had a reaction. This is what I like to call recovery gold. Think about someone on the beach, right? You know, I used to live in California and, you know, people would be on the beach with their gold detectors and they'd be sitting there going, looking around and, and what would they do? They would stop and they would start digging and they would look for the gold. Very few people, if they wanted to find what was value underneath, would be like, oh, that's such an annoying sound. I, I'm just going to like go leave it and oh, turn that thing off. <laughs> Stupid piece of instrumentation. No. So for you, if you get curious when you start beeping, reaction, beep, 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 whatever direction it's going, stop and start digging inward and figure out what is this reaction stemming from. This is where you'll find your recovery gold. Did she just question my belief system? Did she just reinforce my belief system? Let that sink in. Get curious. I truthfully believe with all my heart that full recovery is possible and I want you to get there, but there are a few little hangups that prevent people from healing fully. And these are big and they're really important. And they're the kind of thing that you, you want to tiptoe around, maybe not talk about because it's going to be a little bit raw. And just sit with that and know that, that this is kind of, this work isn't always, transformational work isn't always easy peasy. It's not always supposed to feel light, right? We're looking at shadows. You have a shadow. We all have a shadow. We all have parts of us that are hard to look at and we don't want there, but it's there and you can't ignore it. There's things you can do to try to work around it, but it is there. We thrive. Our bodies thrive. Our spirit thrives when we are looking deeper inside, okay? So I'm going to say it again. We thrive and our bodies thrive when our spirits thrive. Eating disorders break your spirit. They break it. They tear you apart. It's so hard to be feeling fully strong and full-spirited when you're living with an eating disorder. And I think that is truly the issue of eating disorder recovery, is coming back into your spirit and letting your full sense of who you are come out. And it, that, it's a deeper, it's a deeper, deeper healing than just changing your relationship to food and body. I'll say that there is, I, I really emphasize that point is we thrive, you thrive, your body thrives when your spirit thrives. And that means when your soul is thriving. So let's get into these mistakes. So the first mistake that a lot of people make in recovery is they're focused on rules. They need rules. Eating disorders have so much to do with power, so much to do with power. It's misplaced power. You were putting the power in the food and the exercise. You were taking the power away from yourself. That is why you feel so powerless, so weak, so low in energy. Because what has the power? The food's got the power. The exercise has the power. This idea of how your body needs to look like has the power. And so when you are focusing on rules that are tied to try to control your food, control your body, control your exercise, this is putting the power into the eating disorder. So rules are really fundamentally meant to be broken in recovery in order to let go of the life that you were being overpowered by. I love to say rules are meant to be broken and values are meant to be upheld. Because a lot of you think like, no, 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 if I break my rules, like all hell will break loose. Literally, all hell will break loose. My weight will be a runaway train. Like I won't be able to stop eating. All hell will break loose. And I just want you to take one minute here and think about this. Living with an eating disorder is like living on hell on earth. 
I have read my journal entries and I remember that and it was hell. There's so much peace that comes when you can let go of this control around food. And you have to just step into this place of trust and surrender to do so. Because I know it's scary. I know it's so scary. It is. It, all those thoughts, all those fears, fear, false evidence appearing real, all of those things are in your mind and they are alive and they are very loud, right? Very loud. But you need to break the rules. It's so important to look at all the rules that you are living by with your eating disorder in terms of food, in terms of exercise, and eating, you know, like certain times a day, certain foods you can't eat, certain things you must do uh, in terms of exercise, how long, how often, you know, all of these things are designed to give you a false sense of control. All of these things you think are going to help you. Now, I'm not saying you don't exercise, you can't eat things that you like, and you're not going to be able to, to live in a space where you feel like you're treating your body in a way that you want to treat it. It's about balance really. And it's about letting that power, because the rule is a power control. It's, it's a power control on you. You think you're controlling it, but it's controlling you. So the only way to let that go and shift the power dynamic is to break the rules, is to have that cheesecake, is to not go for that run, is to eat salad dressing on your salad for crying out loud. Like stop not eating salad dressing. It's not, and stop convincing yourself that you like it better. You know, that's like another thing. It's like, no, but I really, I really don't like chocolate. Try it. See if that changes, you know, but you have to try it because the eating disorder can convince you that you don't like eating certain things. You don't like doing certain things, but it's the rules and they help you create this element of safety. They help give you a structure. Let me cut out certain things. Let me stick to my rules. That's kind of that diet mentality. So rejecting diet mentality, rejecting rule mentality is what is going to ultimately free you from your eating disorder. The holding on and the grasping is what is leads to the suffering. It's what leads to the, the eating disorder staying around year after year and not being able to let it go. It's, you you got to let it go. And it's so freeing and it feels so much lighter and it feels so much better to be able to let go. But it's, it's a release. And so releasing your control, letting go of your food rules is so important. It's, you can't be dieting and restricting. And a lot of the times with eating disorders, let me tell you, I'm, just, I'm sharing it all. And I think it's really important. Uh, Jenny Schaefer has a great book. She's actually my neighbor. She has a great book called Life Without Ed. And it talks about eating disorders as a dysfunctional relationship. And the other day I was getting my haircut and I haven't seen my stylist in a while. And he was filling me in on his dating life. And, uh, you know, he's met this guy and everything's going good or not really. Cause he started to share like what was going on in the relationship. And as an outside observer, I'm sitting here like, uh, like, whoa, Terry, this guy's like, sounds like an asshole. Like, did he, he did what? Like, every time he's telling me these things, but he, he would always come to his defense and say something like, no, but like his dog died, but I didn't even know he had a dog because he never talked about having a dog. And I was like, okay, so like you're, you're defending this guy of all these times dating all of a sudden just had a dog and like you guys didn't know about his dog. Anyways, I'm not going to get into that, but like the this happens a lot in relationship talk. It probably has happened with you with a friend, either your friend was in a relationship that you're like clearly could see from the outside was not working for him or her, or you were in one and your friends could see, but there's a painful part about that where when you try to tell them, 
they're going to say, no, 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 defend, right? Create excuses around it because there's an emotional attachment there. There is an emotional attachment to this person. There's also an emotional attachment to your ego and your identity and you don't want to get rejected or you don't want to have that get questioned. And so you defend. And so a lot of times with eating disorder recovery, I'll say something to somebody and they'll defend because they'll have some type of way like that they'll they'll see it from their perspective and they'll, they'll defend it at first. And so it's just really important to keep that in mind. Similar to that, our gold detector, when you're getting defensive, that's a reaction. Are you defending the eating disorder or are you fully defending like yourself? Okay. So just kind of get in when you start to feel that, what am I defending right now? It's all about curiosity. Recovery is so much about curiosity. Like what am I defending? So first, Mindset mistake, I would say, is feeling like rules are important, rules keep me safe, rules are necessary, rules are helpful. However you are picturing this in your head, why are rules so important to you? Because recovery is about breaking these rules. Rules are meant to be broken. Values are meant to be upheld. If you are upholding your values, you are going to be living in integrity with yourself. So all is good. It's not going to be like mayhem. Chaos will not ensue if you're living according to your values. So mistake number two is, oh, this this one's the rough one. Okay. Is that my eating disorder makes me special. My eating disorder gives me purpose. My eating disorder gives me love. My eating disorder meets core needs that I won't be able to get anywhere else. So your eating disorder can do all these things. And that, that's a reality. That's why eating disorders can, can stay for so long in people's lives. And this, this one here, this one here, warriors, this is more subconscious, okay? I'll say a lot of people get to the point where they're in the recovery and they realize, oh, geez, like I really do feel special because I am able to do my eating disorder really well. I haven't been able to do anything else in my life well as my eating disorder. That, that can be a thought line. Other people may have a harder time seeing this because they're like... I know I'm binge eating. I'm just, all I do is let myself down. How is that special? And this is where the subconscious kind of, it's a little below the surface. A lot of this is below the surface work and recovery. So humans, all humans, we want to be seen and we want to be loved. We want to have a sense of belonging. That means to be loved and to be seen. And the idea around this is uh, where I, where I truly integrated this and realized how how profound this is with people who struggle with eating disorders came with the the teacher Caroline Mace. She's a big teacher of mine. She's a great, great healer and wrote the book uh, Anatomy of the Spirit. And she says in her her book about why people don't heal. Really, this is like why why what prevents people from healing? And she's talking about any type of ailment it has to do with our wounds and our currency, essentially, that they provide us. They're actually a form of transactional currency. And she calls this woundology. And woundology is the use and exchange of our wounds as the substance of conversation, using wounds as a form of relationship currency that we use in order to control situations and people. At first thought, you may think that's like, sounds so manipulative. It's not me. Why would I ever do that? We all do. And she goes on to say that it's a dangerous trap to become more invested in the authority of your wounds as opposed to the actual healing of them. Without a schedule for healing, we risk becoming addicted to what we think of as support and compassion. 
we find ourselves believing we need more and more time to process our wounds. And so you can end up thinking, I'm never leaving here because this is the only place where I've ever found support. There is no support for me in the ordinary world. This is extremely profound. It takes some time to process. It's different for everybody. For some people, you may have an eating disorder and your family may flock to you in ways you've never seen them flock to you and give you love and care and support. And you've never seen your family care and rise up so much on your behalf. That can happen on one end. And people can then start to even feel guilt at this phase, right? Because why am I not getting better? My family is loving me so much and they're treat like they're so there for me and I'm still struggling. Other end of the spectrum is your family could have neglected you and, and treated you like crap in all these years. You felt that you were always a burden to them and no one cared about you. And look, you're getting eating disorder and they're not even caring about you. But in a way, what you do in this situation is you say, well, see, can't you see I'm struggling? I have an eating disorder. Like you may not say this verbally. You can be crying out for help and the eating disorder is your way to, to be showing them, see me, see me see me, see I'm in pain, see I'm hurting. You don't have to tell me of an eating disorder. You can show it visibly in your body. Your body can be the indicator. Say, look at me. Can't you see that I'm hurting? Can't you see that, that I feel so much pain and you're not acknowledging it? This is a really important part of, of healing. And it, it requires you to own certain things that you do with your eating disorder that keep it active. Keep it in your life. Keep it primary to your existence because you're meeting these needs of belonging, love, and support, compassion, and being seen. So very important to know that are lovable. You are capable of being seen and belonging without the eating disorder. That there is something about you uniquely something very special about you we all are special we all have a sum of gifts that we are given in this lifetime that are different from one person to the next and this is our unique uniqueness and we all have it in our eating disorder or an eating disorder is not what creates your uniqueness i had uh, one guest on the show say something just so profound and, and just spot on it's like the least interesting thing about you is your eating disorder And the more that you emphasize how it is the most uh, attractive thing about you, the more you're going to stay stuck. And this is where you have to seriously be real with yourself and say, am I stuck because of this? Is the amount of times I've gone to treatment in and out, am I wearing that like a badge? The number of years I fought for this and I didn't, you know, I I keep coming back to it. Is, Is that, am I wearing that like a badge? So dig in deep on that one. It's, it's, a, it's a tough one. Like I said, that one is, I would say of all of them, are, are, is probably the most important, but that's why it can feel the most raw because you don't want to admit it or, or really do that work to be like, hmm, how am I using this in my relationships to control and manipulate people emotionally to get a certain reaction out of them? I think it's any healing. This is what prevents people from really getting up. The third mistake that I would say a lot of people do in recovery is they get really caught up on how much progress they're making and how much progress they should be making. And then they start to doubt whether they can do it. So they give up essentially. So this mindset is that I'm not getting enough progress or I'm not, I'm not doing enough. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to fully recover because what I see on the surface isn't 
happening fast enough, right? I'm not loving my body. My food intake is not easy. I'm still struggling. All these things are still there. The eating disorder is still there, even though I, I really do want to recover and I'm just not cracked out for this. Like, you know, other people can recover. I can't. So this is when a lot of times with this one, social comparison can come in very strongly as well as perfectionism. You can think, oh God, like I, I'm not making any progress because look at this. Like I just binged the other day and I relapsed again. And, you know, this is the fifth time I've done this and I might as well just go back to the way things used to be because it was easier. At least I didn't get my hopes up just to be crashed down into the ground and relapse. And this is real. This happens a lot. The reality is, is recovery is a journey. We wouldn't call it a journey. You wouldn't hear that phrase if it wasn't, right? Okay. So, and what's a journey involve? It, journey is also synonymously an adventure. So what do adventures involve? Trials and tribulations, uh, things that are going to go awry and you have no idea how it's going to work out and you just kind of have to wing it and see what happens next. Adventures have this idea and there's no control on how it's going to look like. You can't be like, I'm going to go to Africa and have an adventure, but this, this is going to happen at this hour and this hour. That's not an adventure. If you plan out your whole thing, you're like, I'm going to see a zebra at 1257. I'm going to see a zebra in uh, two weeks and two days. That's when I'm going to see my zebra on my safari adventure. <laughs> it's like, no, like what? Like you can't control your adventure. It's not an adventure. It's not a journey. Your journey is not like you don't know what's around the next corner. And that's what makes it a journey. That's what makes it an adventure. So when you're sitting there thinking that you know how your recovery is supposed to look exactly and where you need to be at, it, it's just not how it works. You can't control your recovery. You have no idea how it's going to look like. You have to surrender to that and be open with curiosity to how it's going to unfold and being ready with the right tools and tricks, right? That's the most important part when you're on your adventure is that you're prepared with the things in your backpack or the right people alongside you in your adventure. That's what matters. That's what matters, not what's going to happen in the adventure. It's like, okay, all I know is I got my Swiss army knife and I got my best friend who's an Eagle Scout next to me and we're good. <laughs> we're good. We're going to be able to get through this. And so when you don't trust the process and you are tied up with that, you're not making enough progress and that you slipped and that means you're not able to do it. You're falling into this idea that you have this timeline that you know how it's going to work out. Recovery can be done with patience and perseverance. The born recovery can be won, right? Recovery can be won, but it's going to take a lot of battles. So it's going to take a lot of different battles. And if you think about when you're learning in history class, they're talking about, you know, the battle of blah, 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 and the battle of blah, blah, blah. And that was to win a full war was multiple battles. And that's essentially what like recovery is about. You're not just going to go in and win the whole thing in one swoop. It's about showing up and doing the battle, battle by battle by battle until you ultimately win the war and you can win it. I mean, it's, it, it's so possible, but if you give up, you can't. I mean, that's just, you, you know, you lay down, you surrendered, you surrendered to the eating disorder and you kind of have to have this mentality and spirit. Like I will never surrender. I'm going to keep pushing. And every time I'm going to figure out what I can do different, right? There's a lesson in every setback. There is a lesson hundred percent. Always learn what is went wrong. So you can be like, okay, next time I'm going to do things differently. I'm going to leave you with an audio clip by Les Brown, where he's talking about the Chinese bamboo plant. And this is my favorite, favorite, favorite analogy when it comes to eating disorder recovery. And it is my 
still to, to me where I'm at and growing, having strong visions of where I want to be, right? And where I am now in that gap in between, this is one of my favorite analogies to think about when you are feeling stuck and like you're not making enough progress. So when you are getting to this position, let this really sink in about how important it is to grow your roots down as opposed to only focus on what's at the surface. This clip here really highlights the importance of understanding the work you're doing that is not visible at the surface and why it's so important to do. So this work you're doing, like the mindset work today that we talked about, those other two, when you're working on these things, especially the second one, doing a lot of this work around your worth, your personal power without eating disorder, you're going to be building a foundation for growth. And, and this is what's important. This foundation for growth is what's going to support your growth. And if you're only focusing on the surface, you're going to have very shallow growth. Your growth is going to be very unstable, you could say. It's not going to be rooted and anchored in a strong sense of a a core sense of personal empowerment and authority that you can have. That's that's what you're really looking at. It's like I'm saying, eating disorders are all about power. Who's got the power? When you got the power, you can do amazing things in your life. When the eating disorder has the power, you're going to be its prisoner. Tune into this clip here. It's really powerful. And uh, it was great to be able to share this wisdom with you today because, like I said, this type of stuff is is really important and this this knowledge is what can truly shift your life and your recovery that is not going to happen as quickly as you want it to happen a lot of things are going to happen that will catch you off guard and so therefore you've got to deal with and handle it as it comes and not only that but that faith and patience drives you into action. You've got to keep moving and keep plugging away. In the Far East, they have something that's called the Chinese bamboo tree. The Chinese bamboo tree takes five years to grow. And when they go through a process of growing it, they have to water and fertilize the ground where it is every day. And it doesn't break through the ground until the fifth year. Okay? But once it breaks through the ground, within five weeks, it grows 90 feet tall. Now the question is, does it grow 90 feet tall in five weeks? or five years? The answer is obvious. It grows 90 feet tall in five years because at any time had that person stopped watering and nurturing and fertilizing that dream, that bamboo tree would have died in the ground. And I can see people coming out talking to a guy out there watering and fertilizing the ground that's not showing anything. Hey, what you doing? been out here a long time, man. And the conversation in the neighborhood is, you growing a Chinese bamboo tree, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Well, um, 
Even Ray Charles and Stephen Wonder can see ain't nothing showing. <laughs> you know that's how people are gonna do you? So how long have you been working on this? How long have you been working on your dream? It's good. And you have nothing to show. This is all you got to show. People are gonna do that to you. And some people, ladies and gentlemen, they stop. Because they don't see instant results. It doesn't happen quickly. They stop. Oh no, 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 no. You got to keep on watering your dream. And when it began to happen, they stopped laughing. They said, look, whoa, look, look here. It's, look, look how, hey man, you know, I know you could do it. Look here, you got a job here? <laughs> That was the famous motivational speaker, Les Brown. That's Les spelled L-E-S. I totally recommend checking him out. He has the most extraordinary laugh. Listening to it can literally change my mood. I just am a firm believer that laughter is such good medicine and I love me a good Les laugh. Well, dear warrior, thank you for having the discipline to listen in. I did cover some pretty deep topics today, so be sure to take extra good care of yourself. As Carl Jung said, quote, there is no coming to consciousness without pain, end quote. And he also said, quote, and until we make the unconscious conscious, it directs our life and we consider it fate, end quote. Awareness is always the first step towards change. So whatever came to your awareness today, consider that recovery gold. Now, if you found this episode helpful and know of someone else in recovery who could use its inspiring message, please share this show with them. It would mean the world to us at Recovery Warriors if we can get our cause and message out to as many people as possible who need it. So if what you heard today was helpful, it goes a long way if you can share the show with another warrior or anyone on your treatment team. You can do this directly from your podcast player or send them over to recoverywarriors.com. We have a goldmine of free resources there for all stages of the recovery journey. Stay tuned for the debut of Recover Strong and all the new shows we have coming your way. And until the next episode, may compassion light the path you are on and courage keep you on it. You totally got this, warrior. <laughs> <laughs>